Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Well, I learned stuff when I did it with Alex because we were talking about stuff and, you know, I'd get aggravated and I'd slam my hand down on the table and he'd be like, don't do that, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, God damn it. It, it happens on mine. I, I don't, honestly, I don't worry about it too much. I just deal with whatever I end up with. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, even sometimes just a drink down the table will make it make a noise, but it comes through in the podcast. But it's not it's not distracting. Yeah. So I don't I don't worry about all that stuff too much. Um, I just want to make sure that it's at least picking us up, even if it's just barely picking us up. I can always work with it. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times I'll sit up like this, and, and I'll sit up on a table, and we'll be sitting on the couch, and we'll be back pretty far, and my levels are just you know I can see them go up, but they're not like super high. I just amplify everything and noise reduction and all, all that stuff. One thing I have learned is to keep uh, cell phones away from it because yeah, mine's in the bathroom. Yeah, um, although I'm running on batteries today that might not interfere. I think a lot of times it has to do with the cable. I, I have no idea. I'm not that, that smart about it all. <laughs> I've just figured it out as as I went along. You've been doing this for how long? I started in December of 2019, and but like the first five episodes were all just like radio episodes where I just played music yeah and you know told a little bit about the bands or whatever um but that was all leading up to doing the interviews because the interviews was the whole idea the whole time and then somebody had a podcast where they just played music and they and I, I did a spot on it highlight local music and I'm like mm-hmm. you know what I could just do this as, that as part of my yeah stuff and just play local North Carolina South Carolina music but, you know I'll be honest the only reason I I I even bothered listening. I was like, and found out that you were playing our stuff. Is that I think it was either Bowman or John Bridges and Bowman. Yeah. And I saw her name mentioned. I was like, oh man, they're going to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I checked it out, and then I went through your playlist, and I was like, oh man, this this dude's actually playing our shit. I was like, that's cool, you know. And then that's when eventually, you know. Got in contact with you because yeah. I was like, yeah, that's cool. You were always one that that were, you were on my list. My my list is it's all in my head, mm-hmm. and that's a bad thing because there's a lot of people that I've talked to, and it's like, hey, let's get together and record a podcast. Or, yeah, they say, yeah, we'll do it, and then we try for a couple of weeks, and it just don't work out. Mm. And then it's like somebody else works out, and then by the time I get around to doing another one, especially now that I'm doing every other week instead of all the time. I'll forget about the person that I was working with. And then yeah. six months later, I'll be like, oh, crap. I, me and Mark Lynch talked about doing a podcast, and we haven't done one yet. So I'll see him tonight, and I'll talk to him again about doing it again sometime yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, there, there's there's a – I keep thinking about – I've got a list. I wrote down a bunch of people one day, mm-hmm. and I, I saw it today. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about half of those people. Like, <laughs> I really need to get around to all these people. 
Do you do do you do just musicians or do you do like you know say like promoters, club owners, I stuff done like that. that? I haven't done that yet. I did have one club owner on. He's well, he's opening a, a venue in Gastonia. It's not open yet, mm-hmm. but I had him on to sort of talk about what he was doing and what he wanted to do with the the venue, the Rooster. Um, but I want to do more of that. The only thing I've done outside of like musicians is. Um, and a couple of more musicians, but Ryan McGinnis is an author. Well, he, yeah, but he was a musician. Now, he, was he a musician? Yeah, yeah, he played. Yeah, well, he ran a milestone. Ran a milestone for a while, and then, yeah, then he played a, with my got, so-called band. I got a good story about that. And uh, <laughs> so I had him on, and he's an author now, but we talk about music and, and books. Mm-hmm. And then I had Chris Bickle on. He's, <clears throat> he's making movies these days. He was in, mm-hmm. in Humanity back in the day and still dabbles in music from time to time. And then I had um, John Amplis, who was in some... Oh, yeah, I know exactly who yeah, the fuck that is. He's goddamn Martin. Yeah, yeah. I had him on, on my podcast. <laughs> oh, that's because, cool. I missed that one. I have to get checked that one out. Because one of my friends was like, hey, I've got, you know, my, John Epps is a friend of mine, and he, he said he'd do your podcast. And I'm like, he's in Night Riders. Yep. He was in a few of those. I think, was he in Day of the Dead, too? He was in Day of the Dead. He was in Dawn of the Dead. Very briefly in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, but Martin's one, that's the one, because that's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a great movie. That's a very underrated movie. Overall, but also just in George Romero's camp. Oh, yeah. It's, it's underrated. And I've talked to him about having him back on again sometime. Like, there's supposed to be a, a longer version of Martin coming out, like a three hour version. I of think it. it did. I think it might have already it's, came it's out. It's not out yet. It's yeah. like it was going to be released and now it's been pushed back again for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But we've talked about once that comes out, getting together again and, yeah, and promote that too. Uh, and well, we can go ahead and kind of get started if, if you want to. That's fine with me. Um, so today I'm talking to Eddie Ford. And you're in self-made monsters, and you you've done some other stuff before, right? Oh yeah. So we'll oh, talk yeah. about all that. I, I'm not real familiar with, with with all your background other than self-made monsters, so we'll figure all that out as we go along. Um, but as I usually like to do, you know, I always kind of like to start off with that question of, <clears throat> and I've said this before that Mike Watt on his podcast he asked it as, "What's your first musical memory?" But you know, something as a kid that kind of stood out to you with, with music you know, made you think it might be a bigger part of your life or just made you fall in love with it? Well, there, there was a few. I I know one for sure that stuck with me forever is, I don't know, I guess I had to be four or five, mm-hmm. maybe six, but we were riding around. We used to have a barn, and Dad would take me to go down there and feed the horse. We lived in Kannapolis. We'd drive China Grove. Yeah. And I remember coming back. It was dark, and this song called... All I heard in the song was something about snakes crawling at night. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I like, I, like I said, I like reptiles. So that stuck with me. And, you know, of course, later on when I got into country music, I found out it was a Charlie Pride song, yeah. Snakes Crawling at Night. And the other one was my mom listening to, you know, early rock and roll, the Supremes. And she had one of those, I guess it was a. I don't know if it was a time life back then, but it was one of those big boxes of various artists. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the two songs that stuck with me on that were The Coasters, mm-hmm. Charlie Brown and Yakety Yak. Oh, yeah. I used to play those songs over <laughs> yeah. and over and over again. And the other came from my brother, and my brother-in-law was riding around with them and hearing everything from Kiss, Van Halen, to Journey. But the only one out of those bands that stuck with me, of course, was kiss mm-hmm. so then getting the two eight tracks of kiss uh, paul and ace solo albums yeah and i wore those out <laughs> yeah so that was kind of like that was it and my brother was a drummer so there was drums there yeah 
and was always kind of enamored with that. And, you know, he had Grand Funk Railroad stuff hanging around, and you know, to mm-hmm. look at that. Yeah, he was a drummer. Did he play in any any bands? Not or just was he... if he did, I don't know. You know, because somewhere along the line, he found religion, and then he mm-hmm. played drums in the church. Yeah, that's, okay. that's about all I know. Do you still play drums in the church these days? Or I don't know. He's too busy. Okay. Yeah. You know, he kind of. I'm sure he'd love to, but he doesn't. Um, yeah, of course, my dad. Played harmonica all the time. Mm-hmm. My uncle Al played guitar. He was supposedly now my uncle Al was a yarn spinner. He claims he was in the army with Farron Young. Okay, he used to tell me stories about Farron Young and Lefty Frizzell stuff like to go and see him in a bar, and Lefty Frizzell would, you know, after his big show, would just walk into a bar where whatever Ford he was in. Cause yeah, my, yeah. my, you know, he was in the army and just step up on a pool table open his guitar case and start playing songs people throw money in it just cool stuff like that so you know I was just a music junkie it just kind of happened and I was one of those kids that would tape stuff off the radio favorite songs I don't know if it was called Food Town back then in the late 70s early 80s yeah but they had records yeah I remember that yeah I I was allotted a uh, 45 each visit you know so when we would go to the grocery store, I would do the same thing. I, yeah. I don't know if I got something every time, but once we went in there, it'd like I tell my parents, "You can find me here when you leave," and it would always be there. Come back around from the, the yeah, other end, need, and I'd still me, be looking at the records. Yeah, it'd be me. The records or the magazines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You because know, I don't know about back then, but as I got into like you know late elementary and junior high, that was when I started picking up all the you know rib, yeah, hip, raver, circus, yeah. metal edge, all that crap. <laughs> You know, I did the all the stuff you hear about cliches, the air guitar in front of the mirror, jumping around, yeah. you know, putting the pots out, playing. So, you know, just naturally the drums just kinda came to me. Yeah. So I just it just kinda snowballed and kept going. Now what what age would you say you started playing drums kinda seriously? Well, you know, there was always the air drumming and the banging on the pots and yeah. pans. You know, I did that along with Kiss, Motley Crue, and Twisted Sister albums. But I did not get a drum set until seventh grade. Okay. Somehow or another, between me and my brother, we talked to my dad into getting one. So me and me and my brother went to some music store in Salisbury and got a set of Tamas okay. that I still have. Yeah. And set them up in the living room. Started having at it and. My mom told me later that my brother went up to her and said, you know, um, has he been playing on somebody's drum set? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. And he's like, he's, he's pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> and then dad decided that what a dumb idea it was to have it in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. Because he, yeah, it's a huge living room. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually he was like, you, you got to move down to the basement. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. That's fine. So, yeah. So that's that's. It's, I just wanted to be a drummer, but you know, you see how that that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that was what I first. That was the first love. Yeah. You know.
So when you started learning to play, did you take lessons or did you just play along to like stuff on the radio? And- no, it was all in my head. Okay. And I'd just play, you know, like I remember learning like Faster Pussycat songs mm-hmm. or I remember learning Billion Dollar Babies by yeah. Alice Cooper. I mean, just certain drum stuff that, you know, would catch my ear. I'd sit down and like at least try to mimic it and mm-hmm. I'd just play, you yeah. know, just play for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. Just by yourself? Yeah. You ever oh, yeah. Jam with anybody? Oh, yeah. We lived at the end of a mile-long dirt road. Okay. So it <laughs> Nobody was, came out there? No. Well, there was a parallel street, and there was a kid there that played guitar, and we might have got together once or twice, but he... And even though I liked that, you know, the Motley Crue and Twisted Sister and stuff like that, um, he was more into Steve Vai and Joe mm-hmm. Satriani yeah, yeah. and... What I'd call the whittly whittly, yeah, the more technical, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it didn't really mesh, uh, so that didn't really happen. So I spent all my time either playing drums, skateboarding, or running around the woods catching snakes and turtles. (laughs) That was me when I was a kid. I I wasn't playing music at that time, but I I spent my time in the woods or or playing basketball or something. You know, always outside. With friends, doing yeah. Stuff. When it got dark, that was when it's time to come in and yeah. play the drums. Yeah, <laughs> the street lights came on. It was time to come inside. <laughs> well, see, mine is just like when it got dark because there's no street lights. Yeah, we had. <laughs> yeah, it was nobody around us at all. You know, I could wander around in the woods for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. So it, that was that was fun. I guess that's probably why I'm such a loner these days and have no problem with being alone is because that's kind of how I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's sometimes it's not that not not that hard to be alone. Well, I was the last kid. Everybody else was gone. Yeah, you know, by the time I hit my teens, so yeah, I was by myself. Yeah. And plus, we lived at the end of a mile long dirt road in, in, in nowhere. So <laughs> most parents didn't want to bring my friends there. So if my mom or dad wouldn't go get them, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's, so when you start trying to put together your first band. I don't don't even know if you'd really call it that. Me and um, Joe Poole met when I was in seventh grade trading tapes. Okay. You know, I didn't like something. He had something I liked. We'd trade, and somehow or another, he he picked up guitar, started playing guitar. So then he would come over, and that consisted of playing Faster Pussycat Mm -hmm. songs and stuff like that that he learned. He was, you know... Pretty impressive now that I think about it that in seventh grade this guy got a book, tablature book, yeah, and started teaching himself songs. Mm. It's pretty cool. And I can't remember if he had any lessons or not. Um, so we jammed, you know, and sometimes like we had some guy come and sing that was in chorus and it was, mm. it was terrible. <laughs> um, so we just sit in the basement and play songs, you know. And of course, we had our band name. Wild Child, which then Bill and Ted's excellent oh, yeah. adventure came. And we were like, oh no, we got to get a good. <laughs> was it Wild get, with a Y? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was cheesy as hell. Um, so from there, you know, it seems like there was a little break, but I kept playing drums. And then he came back around, and I don't remember if they had lost the drummer or what had happened, but. You know, we kept talking throughout that, but he came back around and he had somewhat of a band from what I remember. It was uh, Ray Franks on guitar and Kevin Fight on bass. Okay. 
So we started playing. And then they had some originals. And I think we did some covers. I think we did like either Long Tall Sally and Tootie or Tootie Fruity and mm-hmm. uh, Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. Okay. Which is odd, but that's you know, one we did. I mean, I like Lenny Kravitz at that point. I still kind of like him. Um, so they threw down all these words that they liked mm-hmm. and somehow another maniac spider trash okay, yeah. happened. shows with them in Charlotte I mean you know by this time well I take that back before that I met Charles Inman and Dave Rames okay. at an Ace Freely show at, Rock, at, at Rockies and I can't remember what shirt I was wearing but Charles Inman was like oh you like them you know da, 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 da. he's like you gotta meet my friend Dave so we met and we started talking and they were like, you need to come up and jam with us. So I was, one Saturday, I was loading my drums up. You know, of course, Dad, I think, had paid $1,000 or so for those drums. Mm-hmm. I said, like, where are you going with those drums? And I was like, I'm going to Charlotte. He's like, there ain't nothing but a bunch of assholes in Charlotte. <laughs> still, still the same way. Because <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it stuck with me. So I was like, whatever. So I load up, and I go up there. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm a country boy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been to Charlotte a handful of times going to record stores at that point. And that was about it. And a couple shows. Yeah. Um, How old were you at this time? Oh, God. 17, maybe? That's, that's about what time maybe I started coming to Charlotte. 16 or 17. Yeah. I started coming to Charlotte and going to record stores once I got my license. Yeah, yeah. And well, then found out about the milestone and they were doing like matinee shows that, that were all ages that we could go to. See, I didn't even go to, I didn't, those clubs weren't even on my radar. Yeah. Like my first show, of course, Joe Satriani, because I went with that okay, guitar yeah, player yeah. guy. And I was like, well, my parents will actually let me go to that. Well, yeah. I, I went to a lot of stuff like that too, like Van Halen and uh, Robert Plant and stuff like big concerts, like, you know. They wouldn't let me go to anything uh, like. I remember Joe was going to see Motley Crue on the Doctor mm-hmm. Feelgood tour, and I begged him to let me go. Nope, my, 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 my dad wouldn't let me go see Iron Maiden. And then a few years later, when Iron Maiden was coming through, he's like, "You know, Iron Maiden's coming." I was like, "Yeah, I got tickets." Yeah. Like, but you wouldn't let me go a few years ago. Why? Yeah. Why, why all yeah, of a sudden yeah. you're going go see Iron Maiden? They went, <laughs> and then I wanted to go see. <laughs> this makes me laugh. I wanted to go see the Bullet Boys, Winger, and Cinderella. I wanted to see that too, and I did not. Get and to go. they would not let me go <laughs> see that. So I was like, "Well, fuck it." You know, I'll go see. Goddamn Joe Satriani. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was pretty bad. I was not impressed. And then um, this band called Love Hate was coming oh, yeah. around. I remember them. So me and Joe went and saw that. And then we went and saw Circus of Power. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's a few other things in there, but Were those that shows was, that uh, Rockies or Jeremiah uh, Rockies, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, like the milestone and the, the heretics and all that stuff wasn't on my radar at yeah. that point. Um, so, anyways, I get up there, and there where Dave Ramsey stayed was right behind the milestone, mm-hmm. and I, I took my drums in, and I hear you know what I thought was fireworks. And they're like, no, that's gun gunshots. And I'm like, well, those don't sound like gunshots from where I'm at. You know, I'm used to hearing like rifles and yeah, shotguns, shotguns hunting. You know, so I was like, oh, bow, bow. I was like, oh fuck, what, what? Where am I at? What am I doing? Yeah. Anyway, so we we started playing, and man, and this one not a regret, but I really hate the fact that we didn't record anything because Dave Dave was the front man. Mm-hmm. This guy named uh, Scott Mosley was the bass player. He's a really cool guy. And Charles was the guitar player. Mm-hmm. He was a drummer. And, man, it was just this really great, trashy rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. And Dave was a fucking badass front man. And it was, I had a blast. So we practiced doing that a couple of times. You got a name for that band? 13 Dead Things. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so what happened there is... Charles put a gun to my face for no reason. I just walked in one day and he put a gun to my face. Yeah. And I just moved it out of the way and said, don't ever do that again. And that was it. Yeah. So then the next thing I know, 13 Dead Things, is Dave and Charles on guitar. Scott Mosley's still on bass. Mm-hmm. And Greg was on Greg, drums. Greg Clayton. And Clayton yeah. was a singer. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, fuck. Yeah, we played a, played a show with them one time, I think, uh, at Heretics. Uh Back so, when I was in Pope's on Duke. So then, you know, the Maniac Spider Trash thing got going. And, you know, we, we tried our best to do this, our rock and roll look. Mm-hmm. You know, which, you know, me and Joe could pull off. We were pretty skinny. Ray had long hair. He could pull it off. The other guy was skinny. So I, I, the only band I could think of that it, we kind of looked like was this band from Nashville that we were into called Valentine Saloon. Okay. Name sounds familiar, but so we started playing places like it wasn't tabloids at the time. It seems like it was some something like ah, what was the name of? It's it like Ed's or something. Hmm. I don't know what it was called before yeah, tabloids. Ta- tabloids is one of those places. I don't think I ever went to tabloids, but I know a lot a lot of people that did. It was around during the times I was going to shows, but for some it, reason it, I never made it out there. It was called something different, and you know by this time, you know through Charles and. Um, Dave and all those cats I kind of started meeting people in Charlotte well I met um, Jeff Clayton and Robbie Everett at uh, Cheapo yeah going up there and shopping yeah so we you know put up our flyers and we played there a couple of times I, it seems like we played I might have played Jeremiah's with them mm-hmm. and I don't remember what happened but I dropped out and I don't mm-hmm. know if it maybe it was because they were See, Joe got into Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And I went the other way. Yeah, more punk rock. Well, yeah, more, and just, because I was getting out of what they call hair metal now, but it wasn't called that then. Yeah, It was just rock and roll or hard rock. Yeah, that's that's what I always like to say. I say, I always use that term, and I'm like, I hate this term, but that's what people call it. Well, yeah, I mean, so I had, through those bands, though, and, you know, and through even, like, my brother and my brother-in-law, you know, I was the guy that 
went on hunts and mm-hmm. searches. You know, like say I was reading a Faster Pussycat article, they would drop like New York Dolls, yeah. Harry Smith, this, this, that, and the I other. Gotta, I got to hear those bands. Yeah, I'd be yeah. like, I got to go here. So I would go and see if I could find stuff on him, you know, and then I found a videotape of, uh, it's just called Glam Rock. Yeah. And he had T-Rex, Sweet, oh, Slade, wow. Alice Cooper, and I liked all of that, but man, when I saw Mark Bolin, yeah. that's when I was like, oh man, I got to get all this shit. So yeah. <laughs> I was in going into that realm, and then you know, from that realm was where I found out about the Ramones, yeah, the yeah, Sex Pistols, yeah. the Damned, and but the Circle Jerks were already in my. Um, I already had that cassette yeah. because I heard that song in thrashing. <laughs> Wild in the streets, yeah. and I was like, "Oh man!" I watched the end credits and went and bought that tape. Yeah, um, so I did the same stuff. Like if I read about a band in an article, like Faith No More, the first time I got a Faith No More CD was because Robert Plant had mentioned them. So I'm like, "I got to hear that band." Mm. You know, that was kind of early on. I still love those bands, but that was when I was still getting into like punk rock and finding other stuff too. Yeah, I still do that, and it's it's a lot easier these days because you can just punch something in and on YouTube. And yeah, the next yeah. thing you know, you're finding all these. You know, hard rock and space rock groups from the 70s that you've never heard of. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, years ago, that would have took me a lot of reading and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> research, I guess you would say, to find those bands. So, yeah, I was moving more into that direction. Yeah, and it was a little more punk rock. I mean, I, I liked, I still liked glam rock. Um, they used to call me a cheapo, Fast Eddie King of Glam. Okay. Yeah, because I had the dyed black hair, blonde streak, purple pants, platform uh, Converse shoes. (laughs) You know, it was always listening to New York Dolls, T Rex, Sweet Slade, all that shit. So, yeah, but, you know, I started moving, grabbing. Well, of course, the Stooges and the MC5 were in there, too. Um, Of course, the Stooges were a big eye opener Mm -hmm. for me, especially Funhouse. Yeah. That was the one that just kind of. Man, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Fantastic album. Yeah. Well, the first time I listened to it, it didn't get me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, I'll give it another another chance. There's one that you have to you have to take them take them in a couple of times. That second time, really yeah. <laughs> Man, I just stopped what I was doing and just listened to it, and that's kind of how it is still to this it, day. I was going to say, say the same thing. That when I listen to that record, there's times when I, I just I, I stop and listen. And I'm like. Here's something new that I didn't hear the first time. Yeah, well, I yeah, it's, it a different way. it's one of those records. Sometimes I'll just put it on to casually listen mm-hmm. to while I'm doing something, and I always end up just sitting on the sofa listening to it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, it's like that with um, Alice Cooper Killer yeah. too. Yeah, you know. Um, so we just kind of—I don't know what happened—and then um, through, I guess, word of mouth, because like. Jeff Clayton and Joe Young had seen me play drums and I think Clayton and I know Clayton had I don't know about Joe Young at that point but then I joined up with this band called Branded okay which was Randy Robinson Brad Mullins yeah and this guy named Matt Crocco that had moved down from Baltimore I knew they had been mentioned on the podcast before it was Brad that was that mentioned um, so I played drums on that and I believe they were wanting to go to Florida or something. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I just was like, nah, you know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to do that. And so I dropped out of that. Yeah. And then that's when 
it started, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do? There's no bands that I want to play drums in. <laughs> they're not doing, nobody's doing anything like I like. Like you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so in that little space of time, I tried out for Annie Scene. Of course, it went to Barry. Yeah. Which was, you know, a better decision because I was still young. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was still a little wild on my drumming. Um, but then I got the phone call from Michael Bruce from oh, Jeff yeah, Clayton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wanted me to play drums. He called me at my parents' house and was like, so I hear you're a Keith Moon, Neil Smith type drummer. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I like both those guys, but I don't have a big drum kit. And no, I'm more into like Jerry Nolan, New York Dolls. I'm more like, you know, I like simplistic, keep the beat. Yeah. Show off every once in a while kind of stuff. And so we ended up talking, and I don't remember why, but that didn't really work out, too. Maybe I just... Didn't, well, you didn't, maybe play on something that he would... Yeah, he wanted me to play shows, play shows with him, day. yeah. Because um, he had this guy, Aunt B, and I don't know what was happening with that cat. Around this same time as when he lived in Wilmington, I believe. Okay. And he put out a book. Mm-hmm. He played a show at Hickory's... It's someplace in Hickory's. It might have been Cadillacs. Yeah. I can't remember, but it, it didn't seem like it was. It seems like it was just a random bar. And he played Jeremiah's, mm-hmm. and he played this place called The Caboose up in Raleigh. Yeah. And I saw him all three times. I wish I'd have seen him. <laughs> and that, but the show in Hickory was the one where he was on fire. Mm-hmm. And then the show at Caboose, he was on fire. And then he broke a string. Yeah. And he didn't have a backup guitar, oh. and that just killed. Couldn't get it. Back uh, it, it, it just killed. Yeah. You no, know, he put another string on. It just took a while, and it, it just killed the momentum. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's when I learned one of my lessons: like I always have a backup guitar. <laughs> yeah. Always. Eric started doing that, and he's all. They said both him and Ben said you should bring a backup bass. I'm like. I just don't break a bass string enough, and I, I think I can get one on pretty quick. You say that, but when I was playing bass in the band, my I've done, I've I, done I it. fucking broke a damn E string. I was just like, oh god, how the hell did I break this? Yeah. So at this point, you know, all I did was play the bass. I I didn't even change strings. I just wanted to remain ignorant of all of that. I just wanted to play so that yeah. the guitar players having to change the bass string yeah. for me. So. Yeah, so then, yeah, I did that, and all that was cool, you know. Um, but one funny thing about when we were playing, when I was trying out for any scene, is they were working up doing a version of 1969. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Tom O'Keefe was still in the band, and of course, Joe Young. And they were like, okay, we're going to do 1969. So me, I'm playing it like the Stooges. Mm-hmm. I'm playing it slow, mid-tempo, you know. They want to speed it up. And no, well, no. Tom goes, oh, no, you're not playing it right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And Jeff goes, oh, he, he's playing it right. He's playing, he listened to the original. He's playing it the way that is. And of course, you know, I guess Tom had never listened to the Stooges okay. at that point. So he was just kind of like, supposed to be faster than that. It's like, no, yeah. it's not. So then also, you know, I sent Jeff Dahl a cassette tape. Okay. You know, just so all that stuff was kind of cool. Um, but I, I kind of knew that even back then, being young, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, I really had no desire to join up with somebody else's band and tour. Yeah. 
I just it didn't appeal to me. Hmm, okay, and, uh, you know, getting in a van and doing all that, I respect all that, I understand it, but I just didn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, something I wish I'd have done when I was younger when I had the chance, but I don't really think I. For what I felt like, we were all sort of grounded. We had to stay around here, mm-hmm. um, the bands we were in, but. I don't guess I really wanted it enough because if I really wanted to do it, I, I'd have found a way to do it. I'd have joined another band or done something. Well, I was already wary of all the hassles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'm selfish in that way because I was more concerned about my personal well-being in space. Yeah. You know, I was like, I don't want to share a van with a bunch <laughs> of guys. I've heard I, horror stories about it. I don't want to <laughs> drive around all the time. I don't want to sleep on somebody's floor. I just didn't care. Yeah. I didn't want to do all that. And, you know, kudos to the guys that have done that and paid their dues that way. And, you know, of course, they're, some of them, like Henry Rollins and whatnot. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. They so made a really, living really, out of really it. Really worked out. For yeah, them. they have way more money than me, so more power to them. But I just didn't want to. But there's still guys our age doing it that still do the whole the weekend crashing on people's couches and floors yeah. and stuff. And I mean, like, well, that's fine <laughs> too. You know, you do whatever you want to do. You know, and even and I say all this, but if somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, I'll put your band on the road mm-hmm. for two months," I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, fuck it." Because at this point this now, I don't even care. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But back then, I was just like, nah, I don't want to do that. It was probably stupid of me, but <laughs> I, I just I didn't want to do it. So from there, you know, I was like really lost. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I want to play music, but there's no bands around here to play drums in. And I just didn't want to be that guy that was playing drums and every other every another band every year or two, yeah, yeah. which was what would have happened more than likely uh, so I, I remember distinctly sitting around Chipo because at that time I was working there and I was like you know I don't know what to do he goes well duh he goes your favorite front man was a drummer first mm-hmm. and I was like Iggy Pop and he goes yeah he goes Gigi Allen was a drummer first Steven Tyler was a drummer first. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe that's not so far-fetched. Yeah, yeah, to do something besides drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I don't play guitar. So Brad Mullins, I don't know if he gave me a guitar or if I just ended up inheriting it, but if I ended up inheriting it, Brad, if you're out there, <laughs> I'm sorry. I never gave you that guitar back. But um, he started that he showed me power chords mm-hmm. and that was it yeah. that's all I needed and I was off and running yeah um, so around that time so I would I would have been in 12th grade at this time so I was dating a girl she was into music but I was slowly she was slowly getting more and more into the stuff I was into mm-hmm. so I met her she was in like Pearl Jam stuff like that which I had absolutely no use for yeah at that time I just <laughs> did not care you know, I had I had blinders on. If you know, I, I like some of that. Like I like Nirvana, but I didn't care. At all I, I didn't even time. like Nirvana. Yeah, I figured you I didn't probably like didn't. None of that. You, none of you know. I had even gotten to where I had gotten rid of you know all the the hard rock and you know yeah. hair metal whatever shit. I'd started getting rid of all that. So that and I didn't even like stuff like ACDC or mm-hmm. Scorpions or Judas Priest. I was like, no. So it was all, you know, germs, circle jerks, T-Rex, Stooges, MC5. That was it. Like I said, blinders on. So 
and I was w- well versed in all the history of all those bands, so I knew, you know, from like the Stooges and the Germs, is you could take people that don't know how to play and get going. Yeah. So our twelfth grade was lunch, and this kid came up to one of my friends, and he had a Beatles T-shirt on, and he was selling this guy a Moody Blues CD. And right then I was like, okay, this is odd. This is a ninth grade kid Mm -hmm. into the Beatles and the Moody Blues. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. So I started talking to this kid. Come to find out, yeah, he loved the Beatles. His mom and dad were all into 50s rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started talking, hanging out. You know, I borrowed uh, Rolling Stones Aftermath and The Ventures. um, It was Outer Limits. Yeah. Their uh, space instrumental record, which mm-hmm. is still in my top five albums of all time, <laughs> and the Count Five Psychotic Reaction, okay. forty five. So from his dad, that opened up the whole world of sixties garage rock to yeah, me. So yeah. then I delved into that like a madman. I love that music, mm-hmm. still do oh, yeah, to this too. day. Um, so we start talking, and I meet his little brother. His little brother, I, I'm thinking like. <laughs> fifth grade sixth mm-hmm. grade maybe he all he was doing was reading comics and playing with those uh i don't know what they called pogs oh yeah or something <laughs> yeah i didn't know what the hell that was but anyways so you know slowly the light bulb started going off i was like hmm good girlfriend she likes music these two brothers hmm so they started coming around hanging out i had the drums mm-hmm. i had a guitar and some reason I had a bass. I don't know why, but it just kind of happened. I was like, "All right, Scott, you'll play drums. Mike, you play guitar. Jessica, you play bass. And I'll sing." Yeah. And um, Ray Franks from the Maniac Spider Trash band. He came and played guitar a couple of times, kind of get us going. And the only two songs we did were "I Want to Be Your Dog" and "Louie Louie." Yeah. <laughs> and then. And then I figured out from Louie Louie, you can also do Wild Thing because it's yeah. the same exact <laughs> shit. Yeah. So we did that. And then somewhere along the line, I started writing songs. Mm-hmm. And we played our first show. And this of, was with a, you said a fifth grader? A fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even old enough to get in the, <laughs> the club. I don't, actually, I think I might have been the only one old enough. Yeah. Um, the first show was at Tabloids. Don't remember what year. I'm going to say 95, maybe? Maybe 94. What, what was the name of this band? This is Self Made Monsters. Okay, so the this first, was the first start. Yeah. Of Self Made Monsters. That's, that's when that started. Um, Shackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike could. I mean, we could all. They could all barely play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had. There's a videotape of that first show and the second show somewhere. And the only thing I can describe it as is if you've ever heard that germs forming mm-hmm. seven yeah, inch. Yeah. That's what it sounded yeah. like. <laughs> um, this really rudimentary, just basic level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had a bunch of songs, and we went and we played with 
this band called Eubangy Stomp mm-hmm. and the Frankenstein Drag Queens. Okay. Which was Joe's yeah, band Joe's, after yeah. Maniac Spire Trash. Because we, like I said, we've been friends since seventh grade. So we did that, and then we played the next night with them at the Gaboose in Raleigh. Okay. And then we just started playing shows whenever. And so I was never big into that. I'm, I'm not a big business guy. Yeah. And that's probably another one of my <laughs> things that have held me back is I don't like booking shows. Yeah. I don't like any of that stuff. I know you have to do it, and I make myself do it. But I just don't like it. Like to play, but don't necessarily like to do. I don't like anything party. that goes. I, I don't <laughs> like anything else that goes along with it. Yeah, I like playing the show. I like when I'm on stage, and I like hanging out with people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not completely antisocial. I mean, once you get me out, I'm good. It's the getting me out that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I. Oddly enough, a lot of people hate the recording process, but I absolutely love that. Yeah. I could do that shit all day long. Yeah, um, I love writing songs. I can do that all day long. That's fun. You know, all that's fun. But all the booking of the shows and going out on the road and that's just not fun. I've never minded that part of it. I, I do most of that for my bands. I always have. Um, Eric did it for a little bit with Van Huskins in the beginning, but then I just kind of took over. Well, see, back then, if we would have had somebody that booked shows and was all into that, we probably would have done a lot more and went a lot further. Yeah. If I had just been left alone, write songs, do this and do that, then it had been fine. But no, it was all up to me. And I'm yeah. sort of going, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> so um, we recorded our first record in Greensboro. And when we went back to listen to it, you know, we recorded on Reel to Reel, which was cool, in an actual studio. And we did it fairly cheaply because by this time, I was friends with the two guys in Eubanky Stone, mm-hmm. Jimmy Gardner and Eric Lamb. And they were really great heart, uh, well, not Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, yeah, John, yeah, Johnny yeah. Thunders and yeah, the Heartbreakers, yeah. New York Dolls, you know, just, just rock and roll, mm-hmm. which is right up my alley, you know. So we'd been hanging out with them, and I can't remember if I had joined their band at that point in time yet, but it was it was getting there. So we recorded that, and then found out that the bass was just not up to snuff. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy went back in and played all the bass <laughs> on it. So me and the girl were already split up, so she just kind of went went her ways. Yeah. Um, and then that record, we did all the artwork ourselves, all that shit so yeah that was that was a complete DIY thing other than Eric recording it in the studio and it was done live too mm-hmm. which was completely a-okay with me yeah that's, that's it, it, I've it was, always liked to do it it was a big enough room we had the you know the separators the walls all that shit mm-hmm. and it was cool yeah. everything was live yeah nothing no overdubs at all other than when he went back and the redid bass, the yeah. bass yeah <laughs> um so yeah, from there, I believe I joined Ebangy Stomp. Played okay. bass for them for a while. No, wait, 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 wait. I get I get confused in all this. No, somewhere around in there, the Frankenstein Drag Queens bass player had left. Mm-hmm. So Joe asked me, "Hey, do you mind playing coming in and playing bass?" I was like, "Well, I'm not a bass player." So he handed me this like crappy Yamaha mm-hmm. bass. And I was like, I guess I can just follow along, you know, play root note, whatever. So, bam, 
And I was in that band for about a year, doing both bands. some fun shows um they tried to get me to wear a dress but i wouldn't yeah i always wore pants i mean i'd wear the makeup and do all that shit i didn't care about that yeah um for some reason i don't know why i was was like no i'm not putting on a dress yeah that's funny the one time that one of my bands played jeremiah's the crusties we all wore dresses just just for the hell of it it's gonna be thought and piss off any of the metalheads that might be there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was all well. We pissed enough people off with our mouths. Yeah, <laughs> there was a show we did at Tabloids, and it was this band called Five Times Down mm-hmm. open. There was a huge crowd, and it's not. Did I say Tabloids? What Tabloids? I don't. It was somewhere near um, the college. Okay. It was this big place. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, what was out by the college back then. Um, but anyways, it was them, then the drag queens, then Annie scene. Yeah. And I, there's a videotape of this. It, and, and I, when I, years later when I saw it, I was like, golly, what, what were we thinking? We are just yelling at people, just putting everybody down. Like if I saw a girl with a t-shirt of a band on, I'd just start talking shit. Yeah. You know? We had, like, coins thrown at us. Like, the drummer Doug got hit in the head with a <laughs> coin, cut him open. I think we gathered up all the change, and it was it seemed like it was a good chunk of change, you know. <laughs> and see, by this time, I'd started drinking, hmm. you know. So that made it even more belligerent because yeah. I was already <laughs> angry about who knows what. So I was already... So by the time we got done yelling at the, the audience and putting them down... By the time he scene went on, half the audience was gone. <laughs> and um, I also played drums at one show for this, uh, it was called Alcoholics Unanimous. Yeah. Um, we did a show up in Philly, and I have a cassette of that. And I'm, I'm going to get up with somebody and try to get that out because it's really, it's a pretty good recording, and it's just a really fun show. That yeah. was Jeff Clayton. Charles Inman on guitar and Marla V and Phil Irwin from Rancid mm-hmm. Vat on yeah. um, bass and guitar, respectively, and me on drums. Yeah. And we played a country bar up in Philadelphia, <laughs> and that was fun. Um, yeah, we played a show with, with uh, Alcoholics Unanimous and Heretics back See, in. I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. I think that was like right, like right when I started coming around. Yeah. yeah. When I, was that with Clayton singing? Clayton was there, um, but he wasn't, he wasn't singing in the band. Because okay. I think that was a, I think that was a show with Thirteen Dead Things. As okay. Well. Okay. And there was, but Clayton was there. He was on stage a lot. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, because he did an EP with them. Um, I'm sure he, my memory from all that time is real kind of bad. So he may have gotten up there and did a set with them, or didn't have to set with them, or something. Um, let me think. 
So yeah, so I played drums. I mean, I played bass with them for a while. It was fun, and we were coming up with some pretty good little songs. Because um, of course, Joe, and also you know, for me, you know, he was a sponge. He sponged all this stuff I was finding off. You know, so he was into punk and the old glam rock and all that stuff. Um, so we kind of gelled pretty good, and uh, we played a show. What was the place in? Was it Columbia? Was it called Rockefellers yeah, or something? Rockefellers. We played a bunch of shows, you know, local five oh six, a bunch of shows, Charlotte here and there. But man, that show was when it really all came together. Mm-hmm. It, the the crowd got it. Um, we were just on it. Mm-hmm. Well, the next time we were supposed to practice, I show up and Joe's like, "Here, read this." <laughs> the drummer had quit. <laughs> So I was just like, well, I'm not playing drums yeah. in, in this. I, I, I was helping you out. I want to do my own thing. I want to stick with the monsters. So that's when I just was the monsters. Then, of course, you know, I said that, but then I was playing bass and you bangy stomp. Yeah. So we'd rotate like every year. One year they'd come down here and practice. And one year I'd go there and practice because I was in their band. And at the time, Jimmy was second guitar player. And the monsters. Mm-hmm. So we did that for a while, and that that kind of fizzled out. And then I just stuck with this, yeah, for a good while. We had, at that time we had gotten Stephen in on bass because Stephen we went to high school with too. So it was kind of cool to have a band of all like-minded people yeah. that were in high school together. Yeah, you, you, you don't know each other for a while. I mean, because when I met him, you know, he was he was already into, like, the Dead Kennedys, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. and old Alice Cooper, so I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, and he couldn't play either. So he had to start learning. And that was the other thing, is we started leaving um, the other bass player. We just left her behind. We were writing new songs. She couldn't keep up, so... Yeah. Just kind of had to happen that way, and then so you, you started the band in '95. It was either '94 or '95. Yeah, I'm so real. Then, so but have you been playing consistently like this this whole this whole time, or taking breaks from it at times? Or? Well, and anyway, I'll let you get back to where you're going. In a minute. Oh yeah, I was yeah. Curious well, about no, that. that's that's fine. Um, that's kind of a it's not a simple answer. Okay. I would have loved to have compla- uh, played continuously throughout that time, but there was a lot of times where, let's say, I was a m- major alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And you said you don't drink at all anymore. No, right? I think this year will be the eighth or ninth year. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, and then, of course, you know, everything else was thrown there too pot, LSD, mushrooms, you name mm-hmm. it. So, you know, not really a lot of dysfunction. Function as far as the four of us getting along, um, but just a lack of caring. Yeah, just sometimes. didn't care. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so we we played shows, but it was mainly when we got offered them, or if we just decided to book shows. But we've been a band continuously the yeah. entire time. Never really like broken up or, or no, uh-uh. no. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had to replace members for. Um, a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and they come back um, I had a revolving bass bass player door there for a minute yeah um, but yeah it's, it's since the inception it's been me and the two brothers yeah okay 
Yeah. Well, you know, Scott had to take a sabbatical mm-hmm. there for a while. And we got this guy named Matt Jones, which is really, he's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. He came in and helped out. We played a show with him and helped kind of keep it going. And then Scott was able to come back. Mm-hmm. So he came back. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to have played out more. But like I said, man, I don't, maybe you could call it laziness. I don't know. <laughs> or, or just lack of caring. I don't know. It's like. I guess I kind of wish I would have cared a lot more because we would be a lot further along now as far as people knowing who we are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous we've been a band as long as we have and not very many people know who the fuck we are. But, I mean, that's our own fault. And, you know, it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's cool that that bands continue that long. Yeah, I mean, we have fun, you know? And like you said, you've never really cared too much for the booking part of it, so you just kind of took shows when they came along or yeah. when you did decide well we need to play a show let's well, guess, guess we got to book one well yeah and I, I really I don't mind booking shows most of the people I've dealt with over the years of booking shows have all been super cool oh, you yeah. know I mean like um, the guys that ran the milestone at one point in time Neil and Neil Phil and, they yeah. were they would always offer shows they were always cool um, Buck Wiley Buck mm-hmm. He's cool as fuck. He's, he, you know, there's no problem booking shows with him. Sug Harbor has always been really cool to us. Um, so, yeah, it's not only really that. It's just that there's always stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want it to turn into a VH1 uh, behind the music. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you can throw all the stuff in there that would be in there. Deaths, mm-hmm. drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Uh, dysfunction mm. of all sorts. Um, so yeah, and not only that, you know, working jobs, yeah, full time oh, yeah. jobs, um, which amazingly I did while being a complete and utter alcoholic. Mm. And you know, three DUIs, just you know, like I said, and not not any deaths in the band, yeah, but family, yeah, you know, just. You know, you name it, it's it's happened. And it's because it's like, you know, we get going. You know, we'll be getting shows and booking shows, playing shows, playing shows. And then something whoop, comes out of left field and just kind of takes the wind out of all that. And then it's like we're starting all over again. Well, that's like you said. Like, if we had all kind of done it a little bit harder when we were younger, back when we had the time. But as you get older, there's always going to be something that comes along that kind of derails things for a little bit or slows you down. Yeah. Or, and there's only so far you can really go to a lot of times because you've got responsibilities as yeah. an adult that you can't just shun to go on tour for three months. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I get, you know, I could do that, but then I would come back and probably not have a job. Yeah. And I'd have to start all over again with that, which, you know, if the tour would be good enough, I'd be willing to sacrifice exactly. that. Exactly. But, no, but yeah, that. I'm not going to go out on the road and play in front of 10 people mm-hmm. every night. I mean, I know you, you know, that's kind of like an oxymoron. Well, yeah, you'd be playing in front of 10 people because you don't have a fan base because you didn't build it up when you were younger. Yeah. But see, when I was younger, all I cared about was doing what I wanted to mm-hmm. and having fun. Yeah. That was it. I didn't give a fuck about responsibilities at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I, and not only that, I'd much rather have gotten drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can get drunk and just not care about anything. Exactly. You, yeah. you have the world falling down in front of you and just be laughing. Ha, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ha, look at that. 
Um, yeah, I think that's the attraction for some people is, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, well, I'm just get drunk and forget about it. Yep. Yeah, and that's dealing with that right now as well. Um, you know, see, now I've been away from it for so long, and it, it kind of pains me when I see people and I know they're going down. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not solving your problems. Yeah. It's not helping you. You're going to do stupid shit that you're going to regret. You're going to harm people that you don't want to harm. Yeah. It's just bad all the way around. But all they, and you know as well as I do, you can't tell anybody that's in the middle of that or in the throes of it what they should and shouldn't do because they're going to have to figure it out themselves. Yeah, they have to. It's just one of those things that, you know, as much as you want to just kind of shake the person and say, look, you know, that's not the way you need to do it. They're going to have to learn on their own somehow. Yeah, yeah. somehow or another. They're going to have to want to change on their own. Some do. Some don't. Some it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, me, it took, a, it took a pretty good bit. You know, I ended up in the hospital, woke up, alcohol overdose. I had mm-hmm. no idea how I got there. I had a big old knot on my skull. It fell down. Apparently, I tripped and fell on a... A curb in Salisbury got kicked out of club mm. for harassing people, <laughs> and woke up in the hospital. Alcohol overdose. Did that stop me? Nope. I was gonna say that that'll stop a lot of people to end up in the hospital. Didn't, didn't stop me. <laughs> that helps. Um, got a DUI. Didn't stop me. Got another one. Didn't stop me. Mm. Got another one. That's when the wheels started turning in my yeah, brain. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, wait a minute. I don't you, want to spend, I want to spend time in jail. <laughs> And all know, they were like, well, you got two choices. That's what the lawyer told me. He goes, you can either um, you can either go to rehab or you're probably going to do a year in jail or weekends in jail. Mm. And I was like, weekends in jail? I was like, that's horrible. <laughs> so what, you're free for like four or five days a week and then you go into jail? Well, to work. <laughs> and then not, not, not only that, that seems like that would take like five years to do a year. Yeah. I was yeah. like, that's, I was like, I was like sign, sign me up for rehab. <laughs> Got out of rehab, stayed clean for about five or six months and was right back at it. Mm. Um, and then... Other things had been happening. My brain was, you know, sitting there thinking, hey, man, you, you know, you want to go the rest of your life like this? Are you even going to make it to 50? Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I got gout. Mm. And I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Played a show. <laughs> I still don't think I know what it is. It has <laughs> something to do with your feet or it's something? It's horrible. It's like this, it's like something doesn't get broken up in your system mm-hmm. and it crystallizes. Yeah. And when it crystallizes, like it was in my foot. So my foot was like five yeah. times the size of normal. It yeah, was yeah. like beet red, um, hurt. I mean, like this might have been the worst pain I'd ever felt. Yeah. And so it started on a Friday, and I was in Biggie Stardust at the time. Played a show that Saturday, and then that Sunday, my fiance came over and was like, "You need to go to the hospital," because mm-hmm. I mean, like. Uh, the bed sheet going across my foot felt like somebody had a knife and was just slicing my, my, yeah, my toes yeah, yeah. open. So we went and the the doctor goes, and it took me like 20 minutes to get my shoe on. It was hard. Yeah, I couldn't hardly even stand on it. Mm-hmm. So we get up there and, you know, they're like, have you been have you been anywhere? You know, they ask all these questions and I'm just like, dude, just, just do something about my foot. 
and they touched it. And I was like, ha ha. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and, and this is how it went. And I, and I remember this. This is verbatim. She goes, do you drink? And I went, yeah. She goes, every day? And I went, yeah. She goes, a lot? And I went, yeah. She goes, you got gout. And I looked right at my fiance and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. No meetings, no this. I'm not knocking any of that. Oh, yeah. That's what works but for it you. It works for some people. But that stuff, didn't, I was forced to go to all that stuff and I found it quite ridiculous. Yeah. You know, because when I was in rehab, they were like, yeah, you need to find a higher power. And I'm like, well, okay, well, say I don't believe in God. Say I don't believe in this. I don't, what's my. And this woman goes, well, this coffee mug could be your higher power. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Stupid. <laughs> oh, this is dumb. Um, so, yeah. So, I just quit. But everybody, you know, takes it at face value and thinks it was just a gout that made me quit. But, no, it was stuff had been building up. It was up. a combination yeah, of things. Stuff had been building up since that last DUI. But then, then when they say, you've got gout, it's like, don't old people get gout? Yeah, I'm going to quit drinking. <laughs> well, 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 no, the pain was so yeah, immense. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, if this is the beginning of shit that's going to go wrong with me because of drinking, then yeah. I'm done. You know, and that was it. So, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, all kinds of stuff happened. I'm not making excuses. Of course, we could have just kept going, but the way it's happened with us is we get going, you know, just like this last round. Mm-hmm. There we were, getting to play shows again, and there's the guitar player passed out. Yeah. On Xanax, you know, and I'm like, man, we're getting ready to put a record out, but thankfully everything's turned around with that. Yeah, and I hope he sticks on the right path. I'm not trying to put everybody's business out there, but then again, <laughs> he kind of makes it everybody's business when you do that, that shit in public. That, that's what that's what I say. Like it, when you do it in public, I mean, everybody already. Oh no, everybody it. saw it. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, we've been, I've been through that recently, so it's not like. Not like anybody's trying to put anybody's business out there, but when you put it out there yourself, everybody already knows it. And I did one show where I was complete blacked out drunk. I do not remember a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of me laying on the floor at the Milestone. Um, I think I about I was swinging the microphone around, about knocked the headstock off <laughs> the bass and the guitar. Yeah. Just knocked Mike's amp over. And... Even then, it's still as as bad of an alcoholic I was. When I talked to them the next day, I was like, well, what did I do? What happened? And they were like, oh, dude. And they started telling me everything. I was like, that will never happen again. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. And it didn't. And then I quit. So, But see, it's funny because you know, you'd think these guys would learn from me, but no. Nah. Yeah. Everybody's got to find out on their own. The last show that me and Eric played as – the accidents in, in 2007, we were so drunk. I, I don't, I wasn't blackout drunk, but I don't remember much of it. I've seen video of it. It wasn't that good. It was better than I, than I thought it was, but it was not that good. But that was, that was when I decided I am never going to get that drunk and play a show. Again. You know, you know how it goes though, right? So then whoever took those photos, posted them up and people were going, Man, that was a fucking great show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you were goddamn. Da, da, da. I'm sitting there going, okay. So what is it? The, the stupider you act, and the, and the drunker you are, and more fucked up you are, the more people like it. And that was when a lot of that mythology 
that you get fed as a kid kind of started wearing off on me. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear the stories about Jim Morrison, Iggy, Sid Vicious, Darby mm-hmm. Crash, and all these other cats, and, you know, even Gigi Allen, you know. And then as you get older, you're like, well, that's that's fine and all. That has its place mm-hmm. in the world, but it's also kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Then people are just coming to see a spectacle, and they're like, oh, this guy's going to be drunk. Yeah. He's going to make an ass out of himself. We'll get to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't want it to be about that either, because... Oh, I understand that. Sure. You know, I was always... Uh, Anti, anti-progress when I first started, you know. But then, you know, certain things happened to where exposure to new music, like when I went and saw Nick Turner at Tremont Music Hall, mm-hmm. it was a member of Hawkwind, that totally blew my mind. Yeah. And, you know, opened up new doors musically. So I'm sitting there going, well, you can't do that kind of stuff. Just, you know playing two, one and two chord songs yeah. you gotta you, you gotta expand your horizons you know and so we started bringing in the wah pedal delay pedals mm-hmm. and we would have practice sessions where we would literally play for like two or three hours and just noise and just making just going off on tangents and then at some point in time I got a theremin added that into the mix so those guys are going to be how much longer we're going to be able to do it yep. so it's like well now's the time yeah. we've we fucked off all this other time and we didn't make it go for it so now's the time to make it go for it yeah not so, on, go ahead I was going to say is it a full length record oh yeah 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 well for us full length is eight songs okay that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some bands you know it's like 10, 13, yeah, 14 yeah. songs yeah it's full length it's the first songs I've wrote sober and the first record I've done sober. Yeah. So I didn't think I was going to be able to pull it off, but yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And so 
hopefully it'll be out in August is what they're telling us. But I know how that vinyl. Yeah. 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 I, I, I did it because that was the vision. Whenever I started writing these songs and when they started coming together and we started working them up, I was like, I'm going to put it out on vinyl. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care what the market is by the time it comes out. I don't give a shit because our first two releases were, you know, seven inches. Yeah. And then we did three CDs Mm -hmm. um, because they were cheaper. Yeah. And at that time, when those came out, nobody, you know, only people like me and I guess possibly you were buying and the other people that we know were buying records. Yeah, Yeah. It wasn't like it is now. Yeah. To where everybody's trying to everybody's buying re- replace yeah. <laughs> their records that they got rid of, you know, which is fine for me because when everybody was getting rid of the records, I was the guy scooping up <laughs> all the good stuff yeah. for like three and five bucks a pop. Yeah. So yeah, put that out on record. And we have a digital single coming out in first of July. Okay. Is it? Are you putting it out yourself, or is it going to be on a label? Uh, it's all ourselves. Okay. Of course, nobody wants to put us out. Nobody knows who the <laughs> fuck we are. <laughs> I you didn't know there, there's, there's, there's a few labels around that might work. Well, hopefully. I mean, you know, um, see, I'm not going to re-release anything. Yeah. Once it's gone, it's gone. Now, if somebody would ever want to come up and either put out a new record or re-release some of the old stuff, I would have absolutely no problem with that mm-hmm. because we already have a whole another one recorded. Yeah. So when this one comes out, we'll be ready to put that next one out. And right now, we're working on the third one. Okay. We're, we're kind of looking at this as a trilogy. Yeah, that, that's but, good that you're saying that that active and, and working on writing. Well, a, well the way we looked at the way we looked at it is, well, if we can't fucking play shows, we'll just keep writing songs yeah. and keep recording albums. Well, we sort of did the same thing during the pandemic. We, we couldn't play shows, so we were writing new songs. But we did about eight, and then we kind of got stagnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I said, I said the last time we practiced that we really needed to kind of start doing something with those songs if, if we were going to do anything with them or, or else we need to move on to some new stuff. Well, with us, too, it's, boy, we, it's not, we're not procrastinators. It's just, man, we move slow. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we work on these songs until we got them exactly where we want them. We kind of do the same. And then, you know, we start on the art and all that, and that takes time. And then, you know, I went through with this record. Um, I think I had three artists turn me down. Three or four graphic designers just completely ignore me. And granted, I'm paying money, Mm -hmm. you know. And so at that point in time, you know, I was just like, you know what? I'll do the fucking album cover myself. And then I found Alex stiff mm-hmm. and he helped me put the all the the layout yeah. and did all that shit um and we recorded it in this house okay and well so i think we might have done the drums out there on this one but the next one we recorded that's done we did the drums in the living room mm-hmm. guitars in here bass in there now you, did you record it yourself um, no, um you get somebody coming jimmy tutaro is the bass player in the band now okay. he's been with us Oh, fuck. He's been with us, God, I want to say eight, maybe eight years yeah. or more. No, he's he's the guy. He's the recorder. Okay. He, he records. He's a fantastic, I mean, this. once you hear this record, you're going to think they recorded that in their house. Yeah. He is a fucking, and I don't use this lightly, he's a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, and me and him work together fantastically. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even know if that's a word. Is it fantastically? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, we we work really good together. I mean, he's a, he's from the same kind of background we are. Um, a little different though. I mean, of course, you know, he's he's big into Zappa and the Beatles okay, and yeah. Pink Floyd, uh, Nirvana. I think was the band that really got him mm-hmm. going. Um, but man, me and him bounce ideas off each other like nobody's business. Yeah, you know and. He's he's like a perfect songwriting foil as well. That's what like, I was going to ask if he helped write songs. Uh, oh yeah, I, I come, up, I bring them mm-hmm. to the table. Yeah, and we play them, and then nine times out of ten, if not ten out of ten, his ideas make them ten times better yeah. than they already were. That's I mean, that, I, most of the best bands do that anyway. Like, there's one guy that kind of brings the meat of the song, and then mm-hmm. the band actually says. Let's craft this into yeah. well, something you know, that works. The other guys throw in their two cents too. Of yeah, course, yeah. Mike, you know, kind of has to because you know he's the lead guitar player. Yeah, and somehow or another, I've gotten roped into playing guitar more and more and more and more, which I've done sporadically mm-hmm. throughout. When Russ was in the band, I played guitar, um, and then there was. What did Russ do in the band? He played. Okay, well, so well, let's go back to we had Stephen. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't air dirty laundry. I don't have, I have no problem with anybody at this point. I because I'm too old to give a fuck. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't care. And I know some people still like to trash the band and trash us. You know, all those guys are still playing in front of ten people in Charlotte. Well, okay, well we're still doing it, yeah. and we don't care. <laughs> We still, still like, we still like what we do. We yeah. <laughs> I don't care if I'm playing in front of a, a hundred people or two people. I don't yeah. care. But he was in the band, and then he it just became too much of a problem. Mm-hmm. So he was out, and then I played bass okay. for a while and sang. And then we got John Bowman. Yeah, I knew he was in the band for a little bit. Um and he was another guy that came in, man, and just... And that's the thing about us, too, is all these cats are better musicians. You know, like Bowman and Russ and Tuttero are all better musicians than us, mm. technically. You know, they, they you know, like me, they say, uh, play an E or a G or a D. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. All I can play is power chords. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't even know what, what, what key is that. What, huh? What are you saying? Just tell me where to put my fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, Mike, he's pretty proficient. He knows that kind of stuff. And see, he went and took lessons for a year Mm -hmm. and quit. So he was, you know, a step above me, even though I showed him how to play guitar, which is great. And I showed Scott how to play drums. Mm -hmm. And now he's, I'd say he's better than me because he plays drums more than I do. Yeah. Um, So Bowen came in and something, stuff he would say was other people that had tried out through time was like, man, you know, this stuff... It seems easy, mm-hmm. but once you start playing it, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's not. Because we had one guy that tried out for us. He was like, oh, I got this. This is easy. And we started going through songs, and he was like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> this is too da 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 You know, it's too complex. And I'm like, complex? Yeah. <laughs> it's the caveman rock, <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, Bowman was like, he. one thing that stuck with me that he said that made me laugh and still makes me laugh, but it's true. He goes, you took the songwriting handbook and threw it out the window. Because <laughs> he's like, you got a song here that's like, 
it, it's seven times this part, five times that time, six times this time, three times. And then you got another part <laughs> that you only play once and you never play it again. And you play it four times. <laughs> so it's just like, I can't help it. That's just how I write songs yeah. is how they come together. Um, so he was in the band for a while and that was fun. And now, you know, I get it. A lot of people don't like the drive, mm-hmm. especially if they're in Charlotte. Yeah. You know, I get it. And there's probably some other reasons, me being a drunk asshole. You know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why Russ bailed out is because I was, by the time he bailed out, I was probably the worst. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So actually, Russ was before Bowman. Um, Russ played bass, and um, we played some really good shows with Russ as well. Mm-hmm. Um so he he bailed, and then Bowman came in, and then he bailed, and then we got Steven back in because Steven had gotten his shit together and had gotten better on bass. Mm-hmm. Well, then it got to where he wasn't getting, he wasn't progressing. Yeah. And, you know, the regular old conflicts, bunch of drama, this, that, and the other. So then that was gone. So... Jimmy was Jimmy Tuttero was already recording us mm-hmm. at this point until we had to re-record Stevens' bass on uh, the Fine Stew album. So at that point, it was just kind of like, "Hey, you want you want to play bass?" Yeah, he was like, "Yeah," and there it went. So we had the bass player and a guy that could record our music. That actually digs it, yeah. you know. He actually <laughs> likes it. And he wants to do it, and he wants to, you know, make sure it's as good as possible. Yeah, it's always good when you can record with somebody like that. It's, if they're in the band, especially. Yeah. But like when we go and record with Brandon Handy up in, in Elkin, I feel the same way about him. It's like he respects the music, he likes the music, and he wants to make it sound good. But I've been in studios before where the guy just wanted to get paid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a guy that was like, he was like, "You got any songs?" I was like, "Yeah." And we were working on songs for the first full length. And he's like, let's go ahead and record them. And I'm like, no, they're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. And he was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And I'm like, they're not ready yet. Not doing it. Yeah. I'm not recording shit unless I, I myself and everybody else that's in the band is 110%, mm-hmm. you know, sure that this is it. This is as good as it's going to get. Let's do it. But I'm not going to do rush jobs either. You know, yeah, I'm not going to worse than going into the studio and not being prepared for it. Like, you know, some bands can you know do that shit, and I sort of envy them. We're not that band. We cannot just blaze through it. You know, we can't have a record done in a weekend. Yeah, that's just not us. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> yeah, because you know we're we're more into trying out different shit. Yeah, you know, we want to set a microphone here, do this, do that. Um try different things with the guitar and you know and I was used to be very anti-technology but now I like melding the two mm-hmm. I like the, the getting as many as much organic stuff as I can through amps and and whatnot but then if we can do other stuff with the computer then yeah. that's completely a-okay with me but you know especially when I was in my 20s uh-uh you, you were plug you were plugging straight into that guitar <laughs> amp there was a mic in front of it, and we were recording reel to reel, and that was it. Oh, that studio magic is, is, is your best friend sometimes, though, as long as, long as you're willing to do it. I mean, cutting up drum, we've cut drum parts to get everything on beat. We've cut up 
whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, <laughs> it is fantastic doing stuff like that because, you know, in the, the reality of it all is bands have always done that. Mm-hmm. You know, the Beatles did it. I mean, they cut, they spliced their tapes. Yep. They did this. They did that. I mean, that band can, um, from Germany, would record, like, you know, have like a 30-minute song and whittle it down to, you know, 10, 12, 13 minutes. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I played drums with Biggie Stardust. Yeah, I was gonna. I was kind of wondering if you had played drums with anybody else. Because you, you still, you said you still play drums every now and then, don't you? Just, yeah. Well, I try to. I try to at least, if not once a week, at least once every other week, just to go out there and just keep the chops yeah, up. Okay. But you know, I did, I did the Biggie. Well, I did another this other thing. This this guy from um, Baltimore, Brian Baird. He had a band called The Negatives, and then he changed the name to International Bastard. I helped him record his stuff, okay, and then nothing happened with that. And then I joined up with Biggie Stardust, which I I had a blast in that. Uh, all those guys are real fun to be around. Yeah, um, and they came down here to practice, which made it super easy for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and we did. We we played a, a good amount of good shows. Um, but then you know Jeff wanted to. He went to go do the truck driving thing, mm-hmm. and we recorded. Oh gosh, what was it like? Four or five songs, and then nothing ever happened with that. And then the band just kind of. You know, so I was going to ask you, were you in the band after Jordan was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the last drummer, of course, and that's another reason why. One of the reasons why is like I just anytime I'm using for playing music at this point in time was with the monsters. Yeah. So I don't really have the time to play drums in any other bands, but it seems like every time I play drums in a band, mm-hmm. that's it. They're done. <laughs> we record songs, they never come out, and then the band's over with. Yeah. So I'm just, just done just with that. Just gonna stop doing yeah, it. Yeah, just stop doing it. Now, did you have did you have a name in Biggie Stardust? Did you or no, did you no, no, no? I think he was. Well, yeah, they all did. Yeah, well, at the beginning, I guess. No, I never yeah, had. Because I know Jordan was Beef Moon. Well, yeah, my my, well, my name in um, the Drag Queens. I think that was the only. Well, you know, a lot of people called me Eddie Monster. Mm-hmm, yeah, but I never officially went with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I might have used it on the first record. I think. I don't remember. Eddie Munster, you know, I'd hear that all yeah. the time. Other nicknames, Fast Eddie, KOG, King of Glam. Yeah. Um, 
of course, there's probably tons of other names I've been called. Um, what you don't want to know about? Yeah, well, in the drag queens, it was Rat Bastard. Okay. <laughs> it's just stupid. It's, it's like I could have put a little bit more thought into that, but oh well. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. See, I played drums with that, and that was, that was kind of it. Hmm. And, you know, people have asked me, to play drums to help them out I'm like, I just don't have time and two you know if certain there's been certain scenarios where people have wanted me to but it seemed like they wanted me to do all the work mm-hmm. and I'm not hey, no you want me to play drums you let me know when you want me to be there or where we're doing it at and I'll be there yeah you're not leaving it up to me to get in contact with this guy or that guy or this guy and put it all together mm-hmm. not doing it I'll play drums that's it Just <laughs> so play drums <laughs> yeah so after after all that kind of stuff I was just like you know I'm, I'm done yeah um, now I'm not saying I never will again but until I'm happy with this and I mm-hmm. get this to where I want it to be and get these records out then nah I'm not too concerned about playing drums yeah John Bowman said that when he played with Anti Scene, that you were supposed to be the drummer. Was that what you were talking about earlier? Were you trying? No, to no, no. That, that was the, that that was was the second time. Yeah, yeah. So you almost played with him a second time. Yeah, and you know, um, I think Phil had already gotten in good with Joe Young and all that. And not not only that, even then, I was just I would love to play with Anti Scene. You know, I love those songs, um, and I, I, you know, me and Clayton have known each other for years. Um, man, that would have been a blast, but I don't even. It was probably stuff I said. I think I said something like, um, I think they said something about the stickers on my drums, and I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Go buy another drum set? Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah. stupid shit, and it just well, you know probably good. probably stuff I said just kind of were there like, okay, he don't want to do it, which is fine. You <laughs> might, know, just, might, might be a good thing since you just said that just about every band you play drums in. Well, yeah, that's I'm sure. <laughs> if I would have probably joined up with anything, they probably would have broke up. <laughs> but no, not really, because Clayton, he's pretty, um, he's pretty passionate about it. Oh, yeah, it. he is. He'll keep it going in one way, shape, or another because he likes doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, the thing that, I have respect for for that in in that aspect is that he has stayed true to his vision oh, and yeah. he has done it. Yeah. And he continues to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, he doesn't make a lot of money doing it, if any. Yeah. And he keeps doing it. Oh, yeah. And that's that's the mark to me of someone that just enjoys doing music. You know, anybody can continue to go out there and do it when they're getting big paydays. And playing in front of a bunch of people and all that shit, and everybody loves you and kisses your ass. It's easy to do it then, mm-hmm. you know. You have a little bit more motivation. But when nobody gives a fuck about you, and you know you're met with indifference most of the time, yeah. it takes a lot more guts and grit to keep doing it. And oh, that's yeah. that's the other thing with me. It's like, oh yeah, I've, I went through plenty of times going, yeah, hey, what's the fucking point of this? Mm-hmm. I don't nobody give a fuck. You know, I do. The guys in the band do. Well, what's the point? Yeah. You know, and all honestly, what's the point in any of this? Yeah. You know, because 
it, hell, it won't be another 15, 20 years. They won't even know by know who the fuck the Beatles are. Yeah, you can go I, ask I a kid too, who, yeah. who the Beatles are. They don't know. You know, they have no idea. So, you know, and it hit me. I was like, well, I do it because I want to do something that I enjoy while I'm on this mud ball. You know, exactly, yeah. and so I just do it. I don't think about why, how, when, where, and all that shit. I just do it. Yeah, when I, when I talk to some people that don't do it or don't go out to shows and don't understand how, how it goes, and, and I explain to them that, you know, we play in places and, you know, my, 15 people might show up and we might, might walk out with 25 bucks or something. Really? Why Why do you keep doing yeah, it? I've, it's yeah. because it's fun. It's because I, I want to do it and it's something I, I enjoy doing and I'm going to keep doing it as long I, as I can, regardless of whether there's 15 people or 50 people. I don't know. Or say, five people. I want to <laughs> say our biggest payday might have been 150 bucks. Ours has been time. around that. It's, it's not, not been much more. And through all the bands I've ever been in, I think 170 was about the most we ever got for yeah. one show. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, 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 I, and I'm not going to lie, it, it's it's gratifying when people dig it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they genuinely, you know, when they come up to you and they tell you how much they love it or this and that. And that's another reason it keeps me going. Well, if, I keep doing it, too, just because I'm, I'm ornery. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to quit until I decide yeah. I'm going to fucking quit. <laughs> And, you know, it's also a, a big old good spit in the eye of people that don't like us. Yeah. That's also, I'm not going to lie, I get satisfaction out of that. Yeah. Just still being out there doing yeah. it. Yeah. People and, don't want you to, or, or think you should have quit a long time ago. Oh, man, I've heard all kinds of <laughs> shit. It's like, you guys don't, you guys only play in a 25-mile radius. Y'all don't do this. Y'all don't do that. Y'all could have done this. You should have done this. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. We didn't. <laughs> There it is. So yeah. what? Yeah, I don't care. You know what we are doing, though? We are putting records out. We yeah. are writing songs. We are having fun. That, that's it. Yeah. yeah. We play shows when we get shows. We play shows when we book shows. I'm not I'm not trying to make it into a business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, don't, I don't give a damn about none of that shit. I just don't. Yeah. And unless the perfect opportunity presented itself then that's this is what we're going to keep doing yeah that's my intention too I'm just going to keep doing it where I can when I can yeah because I've had people come up and be like man I can't believe you guys are still around yeah we're still around it's pretty amazing that you've kept it going with these same guys yeah I know <laughs> it's, well there's a big difference there we're friends yeah we grew up together I always say that about my band. That's what I like about my band. And we'll probably weather the storm that we have now because of it is because we are friends. I mean, Eric and Ben are brothers, but we're still, we're all friends. We know each other. We're, we're comfortable with each other. We're not three guys or four guys that answered a one ad and, and came together for yeah. the band. Well, you know, and, and some bands that, that happens with, it's, it's it works out great. Oh, yeah. And, but, they become, and they become friends. But, you know, I always... You know, lean more towards those bands that come together more organically. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, the Stooges, yeah, MC Five, Alice Cooper Group, bands like that. Those guys all kind of grew up together. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same area, put together bands, started playing. Yeah, you know, I dig that. But you know, there's bands that I like that are just complete made up. Mm-hmm. You know, they just you know not made up, but you know <laughs> they they. Like, one guy goes, hey, I know this guy. We can get him in the band. And then that happens. You know, that's fine, too. You know. Sex Pistols were a hell of a band, and they were basically put together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. But, you know, 
two of them are friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and then they bring along John, and when they got rid of Glenn, he brought along his friend, which he probably shouldn't have done, <laughs> but he did. But yeah, I mean, you know, they were all kind of had the same um, background. Yeah. You know, which just it helps. Uh, so yeah, just keep doing, just keep doing it. Oh, yeah. I really ain't got nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> other than read comics and watch movies and listen to records, you know. Yeah, that's that's me. Like, well, when I started playing music again, because I took a little bit of a break from it, but when I started playing music again, it's like, one, I needed it, but I didn't have anything else to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that mm-hmm. now. Now I have like this to do, and and then the stuff I do with all my records it eats up a lot of my time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's something else I've I've learned as I've gotten older is. I mean, it's a cliche, and it's a cliche for a reason, but what you own ends up owning you. Mm-hmm. I, I have spent, I spend more time accumulating shit that I don't have the time to enjoy. Now, granted, I enjoy everything I own. Yeah, yeah. But I also have to spend a lot of time going through stuff and mm-hmm. going, ah, you know, I don't really need this. And something, um, oddly enough, I can't believe this came from him, but Michael Shanker, mm-hmm. his quote was, I spend more time creating than consuming. Yeah. And when I read that about a year or so ago, it kind of hit home. I was like, I need to create more than I consume. Yeah. And it's that's why I've slacked off a bit. But yeah. you can <laughs> tell is I've got a lot of shit. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard of this this place is kind of like a museum. But then I, as soon as I walked in, I could tell. Yeah, there's there's stuff everywhere. Everywhere. But it's, yeah. it's like me. I mean, I, I've got so much stuff, and I, and I still accumulate accumulate it. But now I'm accumulating it for a reason. Uh, but I still think maybe I'm accumulating it too fast. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it but, can uh, catch up with you. Can see that's what happened during COVID. Is that you know the band was kind of wary getting together you know when it first happened who knew it was this new thing so we you know I kept writing songs and everybody kept playing you know on their own but we took a little bit of a break there you Mm -hmm. know not not nothing crazy yeah we took a couple of months off yeah I think it was like a month or two they started kind of relaxing the restrictions we're like well if they're going to do that we we can at least get together well we were even wary about getting together because my father is older Mm -hmm. Um, Jimmy's um, grandmother of course is older Mike and Scott uh, their mom and dad's older and you know it was all those worries of if we get this it's probably not going to do shit to us but we don't want to really pass it on to somebody that could you know Mm -hmm. really fuck up you know and kill yeah um so but then during that though there's me buying boxes of comics Mm -hmm. going to the thrift store going (laughs) coming out with two bags of books and movies yeah oh it's only two dollars you know (laughs) a piece you know yeah, I'll do a lot of that too. Justifying then, that in my brain. Then at the end of the day, I'm like, where did that $200 go? Yeah. Or going, you know, I really didn't need that. I'm going to watch that one time and I'll never want to watch it again. But I bought it. Here it is. Now I got to get rid of it. <laughs>
mean, we, we pretty much got most everything. If there's anything else you want to talk about, or we didn't think to talk about, and I, and I might get you to. You said a while ago you had a milestone story, but I don't know if it's. Oh, there's you there's a there's <laughs> some good ones in there. Um, first time we played the milestone, I believe Jeff Williams had put the show on, and I think this was when he had the band called Punished. Okay, yeah. And I believe Ryan McGinnis was the guy running it at yeah, the time. I think that would have been right, around the right time. So it might have been us and another band and punished. I cannot remember. But there was a sound guy, or maybe he was just there. I can't remember. But we were drinking and this and that. And I'd never been there before. And, and you know, I was just aggravated already so I'm like oh, this is a shithole yeah. you know this is a shithole <laughs> it kind of wasn't it was kind of still is <laughs> it's, it's a nice shithole it's my shithole <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know I've never been there before I'm just an angry young man you know angry about nothing so this guy saddles up to me and you know he's got a, like a bottle of liquor or something of course he's not supposed to have in there mm-hmm. and we start drinking and he goes yeah man yeah, this place is a shithole you should just fuck it up tear it up and I'm sitting there you know rationalizing this in my drunken brain going oh yeah I guess <laughs> yeah. I should so we start playing I start ramming the ceiling you know with the microphone just talking shit yeah. just causing havoc and the power goes off maybe three four songs in yeah and they're like you're gonna get the fuck out of here and I'm like I'm not going any fucking way <laughs> And the next thing you know, me and that guy that had told me to tear the shit up are in a fight. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) We were fighting, and they throw me out, and I'm banging on the door trying to get back in. So we've got to get our shit. They're going to try and keep our shit. And Clayton barreled through the door and said, come in and get your shit. (laughs) So then, then, you know, there's the first story of, you know me I don't even know if I had a bad reputation or if anybody even cared did you, but my, did you play the milestone again after that like, it was you, a while yeah. that was technically banned I know usually uh, like when people get banned from there they eventually go back yeah <laughs> they eventually um, welcome you back in <laughs> and, <laughs> if um, there's a re- regime I, change I, or even if not and there was a girl working there and she hit our bass player which was also you know a girl at the time mm-hmm. And they, they, I don't even know if they fought or what, but yeah, it was just, just madness. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> Jeff Williams probably has a better recollection and probably Clayton of that night than I do or that yeah. day. Cause I think it was still daylight by the time all that happened. Um, so yeah, banned from there. And like, it was, like I was saying, I don't even know if I had a bad reputation, but it seemed like I did. Yeah. Um, so then we played Fat City one time, and me and this guy got into a fight and knocked out the power of the of the whole side of one side of the building. Oh wow! <laughs> and I wasn't doing it; I didn't do anything but go out in the crowd, was singing. And this guy decided he didn't like it, and next thing you know, we we're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what was some of the other ones? I got a bad rap for heckling the uh, Baby Shaker opening up for Iggy Pop yeah that took me a, a few years to move down <laughs> I remember I heckled a band that opened up for the Ramones at, at um, uh, Pterodactyl Club but it wasn't it wasn't a local band I don't think it was some they were terrible they were horrible but I yeah. heckled them and <laughs> it could have been any band on earth and I would have heckled them mm-hmm. because 
I didn't give a fuck who they were. I was there to see Iggy Pop. Yeah. First time seeing him. Massive Stooges fan. Massive mm-hmm. Iggy Pop solo fan. I'm there to see Iggy. I don't give a fuck who this is opening. Get them out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was me. I wanted to see the Ramones, and this band sucked bad. <laughs> I think I, I heckled them, and I also heckled Shutter the Think one time at 1313, I think opening for Fugazi. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't get picked out, kicked out of that show. <laughs> I didn't, people were trying to get me kicked out, but what was funny is is that there was other people. It was like I had two sides. These people over here that were, were trying to get me kicked out and yelling at me and then I had these other people that were telling them to shut up and everything I was saying was funny and it was it was hilarious you know I was I was a regular comedian that night for some reason I think I thought I was too both of those nights and I probably was but yeah it was probably just an asshole well I mean yeah I was being an asshole and you know oddly enough I believe if it wasn't all of them it was most of them after that I would run into him and say, hey, look, yeah. it was that guy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by that. <laughs> I apologize if that caused y'all any kind of whatever, you yeah. know. Because I remember one time at Fat City, this guy just came up to me and he goes, you're that guy that heckled baby shit, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, is this ever going to go away? I'm like, geez. Um there's oh you know there's other there was this big I fell down on a guy at the caboose um, that I had a beer bottle in my hand and somehow either when I hit him with the beer bottle or I landed on him it broke his arm mm-hmm. and I got threw out of there like like in the movies oh yeah like picked up, up and the door the doors were swinging doors <laughs> and threw me out the doors boom, 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 and I landed right in the fucking gravel yeah. Um, yeah, this stupid shit, man. I sit there and scratch my head and go, I can't believe that A, I didn't get my ass whipped all the time, and B, I didn't get killed. Yeah. But there's there's more. I just can't think of them right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so everything's great with the band now. I mean, as, as long as Mikey keeps his nose clean. Yeah. I think we can do what we're setting out to do. We can get this record out, do the whole fucking, which I'm not looking forward to, the whole internet thing. Yeah. Um, push it, push it, push it. Um, hopefully play, a, if not a lot of shows, a damn good amount mm-hmm. of shows. And even if everything holds together, get out and... Hit maybe Tennessee, Atlanta, yeah, yeah, Philly, Baltimore. Just hit some places like that. I hope you sell the record for sure. Yeah, yeah. Are you getting like three hundred of them made or three hundred? Yeah. Um, And once those are gone, those would be gone. Yeah. You know, Um, I still have some. I have very little of the first record, Mm -hmm. and I have a decent amount of the second seven inch. I have a good amount of the first CD because that was at the point in time where you were told you might as well get a thousand because mm-hmm. it's going to be cheaper than getting you know yeah, five hundred. Yeah, yeah. So I, of course I got a thousand. I probably still got two big fucking boxes of them. Yeah, that was back when we. Had, I, I never really got CDs. We never ordered CDs. I just always mm-hmm. made them myself because you had to order so many of them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know. 
we did that once. We passed out a little little live thing we mm-hmm. recorded on the reel to reel. Um and then the one man race, the second full length, it's gone. It's out of print. Yeah. And the third one, Fine Stew, I have very little of those left too. So that's the other thing is putting this new one out. Hopefully I can move oh, this yeah. some yeah, stuff. Because stuff, yeah. because it's weird because every once in a while, like late last year, somebody on the internet was wondering where they could find self-made monster stuff mm. da 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 and got directed towards me sold them some stuff and then the next thing you know from that somebody else wanted some stuff and yeah. then they, I don't like sit there going okay well I'm not even trying yeah <laughs> and I'm selling shit well what would happen if I actually put yeah, forth some yeah. fucking effort so I'm, I'm working myself up to putting forth some effort. <laughs> it, it's it, you know because man, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes because yeah, I work, oh gosh, like forty two, forty three hours in four days. Mm-hmm. Man, sometimes I really just want to sit on the sofa and listen to music, or read read some books. Yeah, yeah. you know, or go walk out in the woods. So, trust me, I understand. As busy as I said I was, there's still like. Every now and then, I just got to take a night where I just do nothing. Just do what yeah, I want to do. Yeah, I have to do that, too, because, it, it, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on in my life outside of work and the band. Yeah. And I have to have some time where I'm just by myself. Mm. Go I, Like, down in the woods there, I had this big creek that I can go walk in, and there's mm. a big kind of swimming hole yeah. that I go and hang out at. And relax. I think it's in pretty much any creative has to take those those moments to just unplug and, and, and just recharge. Well, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, you recharge your batteries for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's new record will hopefully be out by August. But, yeah, that was the other funny thing was the test pressings they sent us. You said they were messed up? They put the last song that's supposed to be on... Side A mm-hmm. is the first song, and then after that, the next band or whatever you call yeah, it on a yeah. record is literally like the last less than a minute of the first song yeah. that's supposed with well, what was supposed to be the first song, and then it runs in complete. You know, the next two songs are correct, mm-hmm. and then you flip it over and it's correct. Mm-hmm. So we were supposed to have it back by August because I would, if that would have been correct, I would have approved it. Yeah. So now, man, I'm like, well, September, October. If it gets October, we'll get kind of aggravated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, That's the thing about doing records these days. I mean, and like, I got a record in the mail yesterday that I ordered a while back that I forgot about because it's just been delayed so long. Yeah. Well, it's just the fact that it's like, you guys screwed this up, man. This, this should be yeah, priority yeah. number yeah, they, one. They, they should... I know we're not a big label, you know, and I'm not, you know, Sir Paul McCartney or anything, <laughs> but you know, let's let's get this going. You know, y'all screwed up. It mm-hmm. wasn't us. Yeah. So hopefully we will get that out, and then the other one's ready to go. We yeah. just got to do the artwork, graphic, and all that kind of shit, and then by by the time that second one comes out, this third one will be ready to go out. So I kind of hope I can keep it going like that. Oh, yeah. Because, like we were saying earlier, there's been plenty of times where I've just been like, you know what, fuck it, I've had enough. I could be doing other stuff, mm-hmm. da, da 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 da. But then again, I, I turn right around. I'm like, what's the point in stopping? 
Because you know you're just going to start doing it right back. Oh, yeah. You're going to go right back to it. That's something else I wanted to say is like, you know, a lot of times I go, what's the point of this? None of this shit matters, you know, whatever. But then I'm like, well, you know, the only, and I kind of had to come to grips with it. I was like, yeah, you know, not everybody's going to like it. That's just how it is. And there's people that are going to put it down and Mm -hmm. put me down, put the band down. That's fine. I got pretty thick skin. Um, But then I was like, you know, Another reason of doing it is because there's somebody out there, even if it's just one person, mm-hmm. that grabs a hold of this and it and it leaves a mark on them, and it was worth it. Yeah. It was totally worth it. Well, I mean, anti-scene covered one of your songs. That that's pretty. That's yeah, pretty I was awesome that, right that there. surprised the fuck yeah. out of me. To be quite honest with you, but there's a guy with a tattoo of me right there on his arm. Yeah, and we haven't done shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> But this guy loves us enough that he has a tattoo yeah. of me on his arm. Now, granted, that's no no big deal these days. Everybody's got tattoos, but for me, oh yeah, that's that a pretty was big deal. Pretty impressive. <laughs> I was like, well, man, this guy likes us enough to, you know, 
It's like, that's fucking That's cool. usually the kind of stuff that's reserved for people like Iggy Pop. Yeah. Or, or Jeff Clayton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So there is a there is a reason for doing it. Oh, yeah. As long as you can, you know, like I said, leave a mark on somebody and, you know, touch their life. Yeah, that's a, what I was saying. You're always going to find somebody out there that's going to dig what you're doing, and, and and they might not they might not have been aware of you the yeah. whole time you've been in existence. But when they find it, they're going to be so happy that it's out there. That's what I keep getting told is that you know you guys are going to be that band that are going to be long gone, and <laughs> the group of people are going to discover it and be all about it. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's great. But I won't be around to appreciate it. You know, it's just kind of probably how, how it'll work out. But, you know, yeah. hopefully not, though. You never know. Yeah, never know for sure. The world is strange. <laughs> this has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production. He was still mad because I was an asshole and he had a colostomy bag mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he had sprayed that shit all over the toilet. And I went to his house like, God damn. Boy, if you can't get a goddamn handle on this goddamn colostomy bag, you need to at least clean this shit up off the fucking toilet. So, yeah. I just, uh,